I'm Michael Tamlin, CEO of the global ebook store Rakuten Kobo. We have a regular procession of authors who visit the Kobo offices. While they're here, I get a chance to learn a bit about their careers, creative process, and their reading and writing lives. And hopefully, you will too. Welcome to Kobo in Conversation. I'm Michael Tamlin, CEO of Rakuten Kobo. My guest today is Sheena Kamal. Sheena is a first-time novelist who's also been a homelessness activist, a researcher for film and television, aspiring screenwriter, and now winner of the 2018 Kobo Emerging Writers Prize for Mystery and Crime Fiction. As with each of our guests, we'll ask her to tell us about three books. The book that had the biggest influence on her in childhood, the book that was most formative for her as a writer, and the books that were central to her for the writing of her current book. And along the way, fresh from her win at the Kobo Emerging Writers Prize celebration last night, we'll be talking about that book, The Lost Ones. Sheena Kamal, welcome to Kobo. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say I'm so excited to be here today. Last night when I won the award, it was such a surreal experience. And I'm still trying to process and trying to come down from it. So Don't even come down from it. Just ride just, it as long, <laughs> as long as you possibly can. Let's go right back to the beginning. What did books mean for you when you were young? They were everything to me. I was I was an immigrant. So when I came to Canada from Trinidad, I was six years old. I don't know, there's something about my personality that changed a little bit. I became quite introverted. And I guess I just didn't know how to figure out society here and, and adjust as a child. So I lived in libraries. They were my greatest pleasure. So I learned to appreciate books from a very early age and to rely on them to help guide me and to fill my imagination. And I guess I was lonely and I didn't have friends also. So, you know, books were my friends, as sad as it sounds. That's really what it was. Never sad. I think we've built a whole business around that. So I think it works out okay. What was the book that was pivotal to you in childhood? I would have to say Tolkien's The Hobbit. There's just something about that book that is so imaginative and hilarious. And it's just this wonderful adventure story. And it just appealed to my imagination so much. And I actually have reread it several times over the course of my life. And every time I read it, it gives me something different. And it is just delightful. And where did that book lead you? Did that lead you further into fantasy? Did that lead you into epic fiction? Like, where did it take you from there? I think it was just storytelling. I think ultimately, however a story is told, and if it's told well, then then it makes a difference. And that book is just so, I think it's just a, a classic of storytelling. It's got everything in there. It's got adventure. It's, you know, it's got humor. It's just this crazy fantasy world. So sometimes I think fantasy is easier just to lose yourself in, feel like it's escapism, but you're still learning. You're still appreciating life. Give me the career path that led you from being that book lover, you know, just coming out of university to the point where you're writing a novel? Because there were a few steps in oh between. Oh, my God, yes. <clears throat> there were so many steps in between. So I, when I went to university, I did political science, and I used to be a youth activist as well, and then around that time, found that I just had this creative drive that I wasn't owning and I wasn't exploring. So I went into acting because I thought I wanted to be free. I wanted my imagination to be free, and I didn't know exactly how to go about doing that. So acting to me just seemed like a release. 
And so I did, you know, did acting for a bit, did some commercials. I did some stand-in work. I was a photo double. I was a stunt double for children. I I was um, an assistant. I was a researcher. And in all that time, I had been trying to be a screenwriter alongside of it. And that's just such a hard world to break into because it's really nepotistic. So I felt that no matter how good I was, how much I hustled, I could just never get anywhere. And no one seemed to be seeing me. But I knew that I had something, you know, and I and I wanted to really show that to myself and to the world. And so what happened was I was sitting in a production office in Toronto and I had an idea for a story. And it could have been a film for sure, but it ended up just me thinking... Maybe this is a novel. I want to try to write a novel. And it wasn't going to be set here. It was in Toronto, which is where I was. It's going to be set in Vancouver because Vancouver is just so atmospheric. It's so moody and dark and all these interesting things to play around with. And alongside of it came this idea for a character who was very flawed and troubled and just one of those difficult women that we read about sometimes. And I just figured that I would put her there in Vancouver. And so I was so compelled by the idea of it that I quit my job like practically immediately. And then I moved out to the West Coast with like no job prospects, no money, just this idea and this desire to prove to myself that I could do this. And was that a burn your boats sort of moment? Like I'm going to shut everything down in Toronto and commit myself to writing this book? Absolutely. 100%. Tell me a bit more about Nora, because she's a really compelling character. Gosh, you know, she's... uh, How do I explain Nora as a character? Just because I'm writing the series, so sometimes it's hard for me to kind of pull back and and just see her in a a fictional way, just because I live with her in my head all the time. But she's a woman who has a very difficult past. The world has not been kind to her. Life has not been kind to her. But she does have a certain moral code, and she has this ability to detect lies from the truth. And so she works for a PI uh, firm and also for a journalist, and in the Vancouver style has several jobs just to make ends meet sort of thing. But underneath it all, she was a blues artist, so she was a singer. And so her heart is music, and, and there's there's a soulfulness to her that people don't see on the surface, but as I kind of delve into the character and get into her head, I really try to show that different side of her, and it really is the emotional core that takes me through. I've written three of the books now, so that takes me through all three of the books. This idea that she is an artist, she is a soulful person who is stuck in this world where people are, you know, don't behave well to each other and tries to figure things out. One of the things that I found very compelling about her is that she captures that Vancouver of haves and have-nots, that there are people who do well, that have amazing houses and have this beautiful life in Vancouver. And then there's the hard side where it is stringing together multiple jobs and you are living you know, in the basement underneath your boss's office and that because that's where you can afford to live. And there was something about that sort of closeness to the bone of her life that brought that character into a really stark you know, kind of reality, which I loved a lot. So as you were starting to write this book, tell me about those books that were formative to you as you were thinking about becoming a writer. Because there's that switch from you're a reader, you take stories in, and then there's that moment where you start looking at books as 
constructions, as things that have been written that you're trying to pull lessons from. What was the first book that you looked at in that way? I would have to say uh, Lacare's The Spy Who Came In From the Cold was really seminal to me. It was a short, punchy novel that was about something greater in the world, political system, and characters who were just trapped, trapped in this crazy life. It just, to me, the way that that novel is structured, the ending of it without giving it away, you know, to people who haven't read it, just it was so emotional and it really st- struck a chord with me, the spy who came in from the cold. And it's one of the, the classics that I always kind of return to when I need to give myself some, like a kick in the pants with when it comes to plot. Well, and there's also, there's a similarity with the Lost Ones in terms of tempo. Like, it's a book that has a certain sort of measured pace to it. Things, you know, things unfold and develop over time. And, you know, it's gray streets and rain. And, you know, whether it's London or whether it's Vancouver, there's that atmospheric quality to it that comes through in The Lost Ones so well. So as you were getting into the book and as you were going through that process of writing, what were the books that you were looking at that you kind of pulled on or pulled into or that provided information or influence along the way as you were doing the writing? I read a lot of thrillers. I love thrillers. I mean, I, re- I read widely, but this, but I knew this was going to be a suspense novel, and so I wanted to pull from the genre to see what I can, what I could do with it. Names, a type book title, sort of escape me. There's a writer who doesn't write thrillers. Her name is Helen Oyeyemi, and she wrote a book called "What Is Not Yours Is Not Yours," and it's a book of short fiction. But there's something about her sentences that are so well constructed and beautiful. So. Sometimes I have no idea what her stories are about. I could just kind of open it at any point and look at a sentence and be like, that is a great sentence. (laughs) And emotional, but it says something. And she's also really funny as well. So I admire her as a writer a lot. And every now and then when I need to kind of take myself away from the darkness of the crime fiction world, I'll I'll open one of her books and, and specifically that one and find something in there. Was there something in particular that drew you to crime fiction, or was it just the character in the story that came into your head that pulled you there? No, that's exactly it. It was the character in the story. I don't think I made a conscious decision to write crime fiction, but this story, this is how it unfolded for me. So it had to, it felt like it was going to move fast. It felt like it was going to be, you know, kind of dark and seductive in that way. And and also the setting of Vancouver really is great for kind of the Nordic noir, Scandinavian, you know, crime fiction. It really feels that way when you're there I've months and months of endless rain like it really <laughs> so it just so happened that way we should just group all of those novels together and call them bad weather fiction yes, because that's exactly it. It. so having come through the process of the first book what would you tell someone who was just getting started on writing their first novel so I find that a lot of writers ask for permission to write And I didn't do that because I guess I did that for a while in screenwriting. And writing is just something that you can do and you can figure it out. So you don't have to, if you feel like you have to, you know, go and learn in an official capacity, by all means, go and do that. But don't ask people for permission to write. Trust your instincts. So I find that whenever I'm stuck and I look out in the outside world for advice on how to get myself past certain blocks, those answers never come. I have to really sit down, face the blank page, and find it in me and trust that somewhere in my imagination and in my discipline, I know how to tell whatever story it is that I'm telling. Do you find that you are a fairly consistent, fairly disciplined writer, or are there great days and bad days and sometimes it flows and sometimes it doesn't? 
I am consistent in the sense that I write every day and I knock something out every single day. It's not always it's not always focused writing, but it always gets done. But there are good days and bad days for sure. Sometimes it's pure inspiration and other times you know you've got to write a scene and it's it's hard work to get there. You've two more books done, almost done. Yes, I have so many books that I, I've had an insanely creative year, and I don't know quite how that happened. So I've got a, a novella, a Nora Watts novella that uh, came out May 15th, and that's book 1.5. Book two of the series comes out July 3rd, and that's been insane. And then I also took some time and I wrote a YA novel that will come out next year. That is a busy year. That's yes. a that's a lot of words on pages. A lot of words. And then book three of the Nora Watts series, is, it's in with my editors. So I'll probably be editing that one throughout this year. And so tell me how it feels to have won the Kobo Emerging Writers Prize. It feels amazing. <laughs> it feels, it's unbelievable. I think I said in the speech last night that I, I didn't really feel like I was part of the Canadian literary community. Um, not that the, it's like one big cogent community, but I sort of always felt a little bit apart because I come from, a, you know, I wrote crime fiction and that's not necessarily part of the national conversation here. So I didn't think that I would win. I didn't want to hope that I would win. But I felt just with the nomination that I was included in a way that I hadn't been included before. And it was very meaningful to me to feel a part of Canada in this way. I'm very glad that you're feeling a part of Canada right now. (laughs) The first book is fantastic. We can't wait to see the other ones come out. This is exactly the kind of book we have hundreds of thousands of Kobo customers who love this kind of novel. And we can't wait to see more come from you. I'm so glad to to have won the prize, not just because it's a prize, but Kobo to me seems like a company that is about the love of books the love of reading and, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, like books were my life in childhood. There's nothing better to me than reading, reading a good book. Even to this day, I still love it. So that it's, it's the Kobo Prize. It means a great deal. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of Kobo in Conversation, a podcast about books and the authors who write them. To discover the books you just heard about or to follow us, please visit www.kobo.com slash conversation. This podcast is produced at the Kobo Audiobook Studios here in Liberty Village in Toronto, Ontario, 